Um, so everybody say after me, I am a child of God. And see, you just said it with the right inflection. I forgot. I got to instruct them on that. Say, I am a child of God. Very good. Obviously, this has been what the whole series has been about. This has kind of become a buzzword. This has kind of become house language here uh, at this church uh, where we refer to that often about being a child of God. And in this particular message, we're going to be talking about prayer. And I got to admit, when I was asked to do this particular message, I, my very first thought was, I should not be the one doing this. I was like, we should have you know, Pastor Jeremy or Pastor Andrew or maybe even Judy come up and share on this. And I realized that that mentality is exactly what I needed to talk about today. The Holy Spirit really convicted me in that moment. And so you are going to... Uh, you're gonna take the whooping that I got today is what's gonna happen. <laughs> Prayer's a topic that's oddly difficult in the church, um, which is strange because it's common. Many of us hear that word and we feel this slight sense of panic in our stomach. And see, for, for many of us who grew up in the church, whether we realize it or not, we have this issue because we think we, we don't quite measure up to the idea of this prayer warrior that we have in our heads, this image of, of somebody that we've had in our heads. And, and, and almost all of us can think of people in our lives that were those professional prayers, you know? Like, oh, I like to hear them pray. And I'm gonna give some stereotypes here, but you know the type. I'm, I, I'll touch on everybody's here. So, you know, they knew all the fancy words and phrases. They knew when to whisper and when to shout, when to throw in a Jehovah Rapha or a Jehovah Jireh, and they knew what they meant how to pronounce the word God in that particularly southern way to give it more authority, you know, God, that one. <laughs> or the type that would march around red-faced while stomping devils and kicking out demons and declaring healings and calling down hellfire on communists and Democrats and, quite frankly, scaring everyone to death. <laughs> or, or, maybe it was that little old saint in the church who didn't have a family or maybe they were a, a grandmother or an aunt. Maybe they'd lost their spouse years ago or they just never married, who spent nearly all of their waking hours in prayer shut up in their tiny little houses with a thermostat turned up to 87 degrees. <laughs> you see, those of us that grew up like this, that grew up in the church, tend to think of prayer as something lofty, something that's far above us and a calling that we would never be able to measure up to. Now, I know that's not all of us in this room. For some of us, this was completely a non-issue because we never had those people in our lives. We don't have anybody to compare ourselves to. We, we didn't grow up in the church. We didn't have our lives and homes surrounded by Jesus' followers. So when it comes to prayer, it's not that we're comparing ourselves to somebody and feeling like we can't measure up. We just simply feel like we don't know how. And really, the base of both of these things is the same lie. I can't. I don't. I won't. I don't know how. There was a man named Lancelot Andrews 
lived from 1555 to 1626. And he was one of the great theologians of his day. After he died, his private notebook on prayer was discovered and it was published. And in it, he had written two lists. First, he wrote a list of all the times of prayer in the Bible. So now, let me be very clear. This is not a list of all the times that you specifically have to be praying. This is all the times you could be. Here we go. Always, without ceasing, at all times, three times a day, evening and morning at noon, seven times a day, in the morning, a great while before the day, at daybreak, at the third hour of the day, at about the sixth hour of the day, the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, in the evening, by night, at midnight. The good thing about this, this catches the night owls and the morning people all together. Somewhere on this list, you had your thing where you went, oh, I can do that one. Next, he wrote a list of all the places of prayer in the Bible. In the assembly, so like where we are now, in the congregation, in your closet, in an upper room, on a housetop, at the temple, on the shore, in a garden, on your beds, in a desert place, The last one's my favorite. In every place. You see, contrary to this lie that we've bought, even if we don't realize it, contrary to this lie that we've bought, there is no right way, right method, proper place, or correct phrasing needed in order to have a conversation with God. We just need to be available. You know, we often think, well, I'll go to Scripture and figure out how to pray. The problem is, is most of Scripture, when we talk about prayer, particularly when it's Jesus talking, he's telling us what not to do. Matthew 6, 5 through 8. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly and on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, Go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. And when you pray, don't babble on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. No, don't be like them for your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Church, we are all called to pray because we are all called to relationship. Now, I am gonna make a distinction here. There is a difference between being called to pray and prayer being a calling. There are some of us that have that specific gifting, that specific drive, where it's almost like a compulsive need. I have to be in prayer. I have to do this thing. That's different. But we're all called to relationship with God and all prayer is, is conversation with him. We're all called to pray. Romans 8, 15 through 16. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you've received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Say, I am a child of God. Now we call him Abba Father. 
for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. And that seems random to put that in in the end. What is sharing his suffering? Why does that matter? The only way to share in the suffering of another is to listen. I can't hear your story. I can't know your story unless I'm sitting there intently taking in what you're telling me. That's where empathy comes from. This is so much stronger because if we are believers, if we are children of God, we have the spirit of God living in us. We're in relationship. We're, we're living out the life that he wants us to live. Therefore, the things we see, the people we interact with, the situations we find ourselves in, take on a different flavor. Instead of it just being about what we see and what we think and what our opinion is, suddenly his opinion comes into play. His thoughts come into play. His desires in a situation come into play. And we find our hearts broken for the things that break his heart. We find our hearts joyful for the things that make him joyful. And it is out of this relationship, it is out of this back and forth that prayer exists. When we pray, it's not to impress God by saying the right words in the right combination. The point is to talk and to listen, to communicate. And there's no need to be afraid. If we are children of God, then we have the right and the privilege to come into his presence without fear. My children have no boundaries, no matter how hard I try to make them. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. It doesn't matter where I am. If they can get the door open, they will come in. And they're never phased by anything that's happening behind said door when they come through. Normandy especially. She'll come in and just, oh, hi, Daddy, and then she'll just go into whatever it was. Doesn't matter. Showering, on the toilet, she don't care. Now, obviously, that's a little on the crass side, but you get my point. We have access to the Father. He's not hiding from us. And even though we do sometimes, he's not trying to get away from us. He wants us to draw near to him. Without fear, without reservation. And one of the things I've talked about before, I really discovered the most intense prayer for me uh, during just some times of trial that I went through when I was younger and I remember my prayer was, life was very, um, I, would, I would drive in my car and I would scream and I would rage at God. That's, that's what I would do. That, that's all I could do at that moment. And I remember hearing a, a little quick teaching by a guy named Jeff Dio, a worship leader that I loved uh, when I was young, where he talked about God being confident. He's secure in who he is. And so I came to that realization, like I can come to you even in anger, even in rage, and it doesn't touch you at all. I can say what I need to say. I can be who I need to be. I can let the emotion of what's going on in me come out, and he's not threatened or waiting to smite me because of it. He understands. And you see this all throughout the Psalms. How many times do you see David lamenting the, his very existence 
And yet he comes back to, but God, I know you're good. I, I trust you. Even though I don't see any of the things that I believe for right now, I trust you. God's not threatened by your prayer. God's not gonna get offended. Not at all. So why do we pray? I have a few reasons here. We pray because it moves the heart of God. And prayer aligns our hearts with his. 1 John 5, 14 through 15. And we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. Many translations say, according to his will. And since we know he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we ask for according to his will. Yes, that's important. We tend to miss that. My children don't get much when they're being demanding. I'm just saying. Through prayer, we receive God's guidance, James 1, 5. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. He ain't gonna call you stupid. He's not gonna come down on you for it. In prayer, we address our needs and our concerns. Hebrews 4, 16. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God where we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. And finally, prayer gives us strength to fight sin and temptation. Hebrews 2, 16 and 18. We also know that the son did not come to help angels. He came to help the descendants of Abraham, which we are now a part of that. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. Guys, life is difficult. I don't have to tell you that. We know this. And prayer is our way of reaching out to God to tell him simply that we need him. We need him to make the right decisions, to handle our concerns and our needs, to resist in the face of temptation. Simply put, we need God. And prayer is admitting that. Admitting that we can't do it on our own. We pray because God's voice and presence is what matters the most. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says this, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It's a random reference, but I'm gonna make it I don't know why, but I'm gonna. There's a, there's a really great miniseries uh, called John Adams, um, if you've never seen it. There's also a great book that it's based on uh, by David McCullough. I referenced this actually the last time I spoke, but there's a, there's a scene at the end of it, near the end of John Adams' life, where he's, I, I, think he was, I think he was in his late 80s, early 90s by that point, and he's hobbling around with a walking stick, half blind, with his son, I think John Quincy, walking alongside of him. And he suddenly stops and he points to this little bloom and he says, I've seen queens and kings 
from all over the world, adorned in all their finery and their diamonds and their jewels, but I have never seen anything so breathtaking as this little bloom. And he said, when I see this, I'm compelled to fall to my knees and cry out, rejoice evermore, which is where that comes from, rejoice always. And he actually tries to do it, which terrifies his son, you know, because he's a little old man at the time, and just shouts out, rejoice evermore. Finding these moments and these things where we can give this glory and praise to God for the creation that's around, for the people that we're surrounded by, and being able to take that in and have that moment of praise and prayer and say, rejoice always. Praying without ceasing is not about praying all day, but it's having that heart. I, I have this thing that happens to me every time the season changes, whether it's walking out of my house or, or walking out of the doors here at the church, where you come out and it's either like this just crisp fall day, the wind's blowing just right, the sun's out, or it's the first snowfall that's like a really good one, or the first day of spring or summer, and I just get overwhelmed with this sense of like, you did this. You made this. And the biggest moments of awe I've ever had in the presence of God have been in those moments. With all the prayer meetings that I've been in and all the things that I've seen and all the, all the worship events that I've been a part of, there's no greater awe than those moments because they catch you by surprise. Be in that state. That's what the scripture is asking of us to be in that state of constant awareness of what God is doing and has done around us. It's about keeping that conversation open all day long. Or as Willie Nelson said, you were always on my mind. I'm gonna have Judy come up here with me for a second if you grab a mic. Uh, Judy is our resident professional prayer. And I say that with no sarcasm. I'm gonna sit us on the side here, guys. I said I was gonna go on either side, but I don't want it to look like there's a division between us. I like you, so I wanna, I wanna sit beside you. <laughs> we got her mic up here? All right, go ahead and check it again. Check. Say hi to the people. Hello. <laughs> nice to see you all today. <laughs> so this is my cover for not being a professional prayer. I thought I'll at least bring Judy up here to talk to me a little bit. Uh, so I'm gonna ask Judy a couple of questions. So first of all, just kind of tell everybody your background, uh, kind of your growing up and such, all that. Well, I've referenced it before, but my dad was a pastor. And um, I, like, I say my dad, but really both my parents, because mom was always there mm -hmm. um, in the background more, but always there doing things too. So um, from the time I was born, my dad was a pastor. Um, in fact, so much of a pastor that on the day that mom went into labor with <laughs> me, it was a Sunday and dad had to go to church because he needed to pastor and preach that morning. And so my sister, who was 17, drove me, drove mom to the hospital to have me. So um, my dad never let anybody say that I was an accident. I was a surprise. <laughs> my sister was 17 and my brother was 12 when I was born. And I just grew up in this household that was very loving, very giving, just, I'm very grateful, hmm. very blessed. Yeah. And so how was prayer modeled for you in that environment? Um, my dad and mom were prayers. So it's kind of like Pastor Nathan's story. I remember them on their knees at the bedside every night. 
Um, and these were not short prayers. These were long <laughs> prayers, and these were passionate prayers. Um, I remember waking up in the middle of the night hearing Dad on the phone with somebody who was mm. struggling and praying. Um, I was taken to every prayer meeting, every revival, every visitation. Um, I just grew up with Mom and Dad praying a lot. And, in fact, I have moments of... <clears throat> embarrassment even because if we went to lunch after church on a Sunday the whole restaurant's food was getting blessed whether it had been or not because my dad would be let us pray and ever I'd see like people like you know so it was kind of yeah. even embarrassing sometimes now I have to ask did your dad do the like the shift into King James language when he would pray yes yeah my grandpa my grandpa yes. Ward would do that and that's yeah. a big memory I always have of him it was all yeah. the these and thous and but it was so sincere and it was so beautiful Absolutely, still for sure yes um, so coming out of that environment, when was it that you really realized that prayer was more than just something you were going to do? It was something that you were actually called to. Um, that would be a really long story, but in general at our former church where I kind of grew up from sixth grade on, um, I was in a leadership role and it was one of those moments where I just had this conviction and and I started to shift in me that things changed from prayer being a discipline and what you do as to I have to have you. Yeah. And I knew that in that role, if Jesus didn't do this, we couldn't make it. Mm. And so I pressed in like I'd never pressed in before. And he's so faithful because he says, when, when you draw close to me, I will draw close to you. And I saw that and he became real. Yeah. And I saw how mindful he was of every little thing. I saw how he knew every detail. I saw him do things that I don't think I could ever even imagine him doing. Um, he started teaching me about hearing his voice mm. and knowing his heart and um, following his lead that he was trustworthy. Yeah. And it wasn't just words on the page anymore. It was real. And then when we came here, um, just interactions with Pastor Ron really just pulled that out in me, kind of mm. gave, gave a name to who I was and, and how the Lord operated in me. Yeah. And... Um, just just pressing in and seeing him move, seeing him move on behalf of people, seeing him move in our life, and it just became a passion. Yeah. Because I love being a part of that. I can't even believe he lets us be a part of that sometimes, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. So I know I've used the term a little sarcastically here, but there's reason for that. So as, as the resident professional prayer... Um, what does prayer look like in your day-to-day -day life? And specifically, you told me a story when we were talking about this a little bit about a conference you went to. Yes. Uh, so, so work that in work a little bit, but, okay. but, but tell yeah. them a little bit about what prayer looks like in your day-to-day -day life. Um, prayer in my daily life is just interaction with Jesus all day long. And he's my first good morning and my last good night. And he's my best friend. And he's... Um, the best dad, hmm. and so I'm just, I have times of prayer with him, but it's, it's just, I get this privilege of walking and talking with him all day long. I listen for what he's saying. I'm like, okay, Jesus, we're going into Walmart. Show me if there's something you want to do in there, <laughs> and um, it's just, 
listening all day, and sometimes it like erupts into intercession. I've been sat, I've been in a traffic jam before, and all of a sudden I just get overwhelmed with this intercession, and I'm just crying and praying, and and I know I'd probably look ridiculous to the people around me, you know, but then he'll lift it, and it's just he's just so good. But I went to this conference once, and they're like. You should be praying three hours a day. You should be getting up at four in the morning or whatever and praying. And I was like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I, I am not a morning person. And I just, I don't think I can do that. And so they were encouraging people. And, and the ladies in our hotel room were do, doing that. And I'm like, God, am I, should I feel guilty here? Am I? And he's like, that's not your calling. And... So it's just like I had to be okay with some people are going to be in their closets for hours every day. Some people aren't. Some people are going to experience him in other ways. And mine is more just this, I'm just, I'm just going to go with the flow of you, Holy Spirit, and mm. I'm just going to listen to you, and I'm going to talk to you all day. So tell me a little bit about what it looks like in, in your ministry here at the church. Um, well, I get to do a lot of really great things, and one of those is wholeness sessions, mm -hmm. and um, I have never failed to see Jesus run to people who are hungry mm. and who need him, yeah. and so he goes way out of his way <laughs> all of the time just to show up for those people and to give us insight and wisdom on how to pray for them and what the struggle is and what's blocking them, and um, so I get this opportunity to just be a part of pulling back the curtain so people can see and removing the stuff so they can come close and all of the stuff that the enemy has told them that they're not good enough and all the ways that they're not enough and, and all of the stuff that he's used. So I get to use it there. And then when I get to pray with you guys and do these pray now moments, I mean, we do those at home. Mm. If you walked into my home, you're going to see pray now moments all over the place. <laughs> um, Colin and I just go from talking to praying just in and out without even you know, thinking about it, but that's what, I get to do that here with you. I get to say, you know what? I don't have the answers, but I know who does. Yeah. And I can't do that for you, but I know who can. And so it's, it's just this big privilege to be able to offer up and facilitate prayer times where we can kind of come together and just go to the Lord. Yeah. Well, dovetailing off of that, let's talk a little bit about corporate prayer, which for those of you who don't know, I don't mean prayer in a business. I mean, <laughs> prayer, uh, all of us together as the church, as the body. Yeah. Why is corporate prayer important? Well, I think first off, I think it delights his heart. Mm. And I want to be a part of something that delights his heart. And for us to come together and just say, we're looking to you, dad. Mm -hmm. You're the one with the answers. You're the one with the solutions. You are the solution. Yeah. You are the one who has a great plan and strategy already in place. And we love you. And so I know, like, for me personally as a parent, I love having my kids one-on-one, -on -one, but there is nothing like when we're all together yeah. in that atmosphere of, like, hey, I just want to be with you. Um, and so I just think it's kind of the same thing that we just get to delight his heart and come together. But I also think that it unifies us with him and us with one another. Yeah. I think it, it brings a prayer that's a cry of his heart instead of just a cry of our heart, even though that matters to him. Yeah. I think it's something that we can encourage one another in ways that we can't do in other ways. I think prayer unites our hearts um, we have pray now prayer cells and just people gathering to pray. I, I hear it over and over. It just unites our hearts yeah. to one another. 
And it's kind of hard to explain how that works or how that happens, but it does. I think it um, gives us that um, compassion for one another mm. so that we grieve when they grieve, that we celebrate when they celebrate. I think that it draws his heart. I think that it gives us power to stand and say as a church body, if we come together, we can say, uh-uh, not on our watch. <laughs> and so it's just, there's a bazillion probably benefits. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that was Good. it. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, give, give Judy a hand. One of the things I love about Judy is how accessible she makes this stuff. I've, I've been around a lot of leaders of prayer ministry in the past in my life uh, who intentionally try to make it seem like they're doing something extra special. Uh, and I think Judy is doing something extra special, but she just doesn't think of it that way because she knows who she's sourced by. She knows that what's happening is not what she's doing, but what the Holy Spirit is doing. Guys, ultimately, coming down through all of this, prayer is not mystical. It's not this great mystery that you have to have a certain number of white hairs on your head or a certain number of hairs lost off your head in order to get access to Prayer is not incantational. It's not a certain set of words that will make the thing happen if you just say it the right way. Prayer is relational, both this way and this way. And there is an incredible power when his church, his family here on earth comes together to pray. Um, Pastor Andrew shared a story when he spoke about uh, Pastor Jim Cimbala from Brooklyn Tabernacle, which by the way, if you've never read this book, uh, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, it's phenomenal. And it will make uh, even the most nervous person want to become a prayer warrior. <laughs> but he told the story of their daughter, Chrissy, who got away from Jesus and, and through a, a series of things where the Lord spoke to him and then a, a particular prayer meeting they had ended up coming back to the Lord and uh, had a radical transformation and is still serving Jesus to this day. And I think that's one of the important things. It's not just that it was a radical story at the time. She's still walking it out. She's a pastor's wife in ministry, doing stuff, continuing her journey with the Lord. But he talks about prayer all over this book. And there's one thing that I want to read here, this section, as we go to close. The title of this section is The Real Force. Satan's main strategy with God's people has always been to whisper, don't call, don't ask, don't depend on God to do great things. You'll get along fine if you just rely on your own cleverness and energy. The truth of the matter is that the devil is not terribly frightened of our human efforts and our credentials. But he knows his kingdom will be damaged when we lift up our hearts to God. Listen to David, conf David's confident assertion in Psalm 4.3. Know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call him. This was David's whole posture. 
his instinct and especially his approach to warfare. It doesn't matter what the Philistine armies have. If we call out to God, he will give us the victory. If we don't call, then we can be defeated by a little tiny army. I can almost hear David saying, you can chase me, you can persecute me, you can do anything you want, but when I call on God, you're in trouble. The Lord will hear when I call him. And notice how God defines wicked people in Psalm 14:4. Will evildoers never learn? Those who devour my people as many bread and who do not call on the Lord. This is the divine definition of the ungodly. They will do so many things, but they will not humble themselves and recognize God's omnipotence by calling on his name with all their hearts. One of the great devotional writers said, the main thing God asks for is our attention. Salvation itself is impossible until a person humbly calls on the name of the Lord. For God has promised specifically to be rich in mercy to those who call on his name. Call upon me in the day of trouble, God says in Psalm 50, 15. I will deliver you and you will honor me. God desires praise from our lives, but the only way fresh praise and honor will come is as we keep coming to him in times of need and difficulty. Then he will intervene to show himself strong on our behalf and we will know that he has done it. Are we not just all prone to be a little cocky and think we can handle things just fine? But let some trouble come and how quickly we sense our own inadequacies. <laughs> trouble is one of God's greatest servants because it reminds us how much we continually need the Lord. Otherwise, we tend to forget we forget about calling out to him. And for some reason, we want to try to carry on by ourselves. As I said before, I know there are reasons that we feel uncomfortable that we don't pray. We don't want to be the person. We don't want to be in the spotlight. We think of that great prayer warrior or we just didn't have anybody to model it for us. But in the end, these things are just excuses to buy into the lie. The Lord has invited us into his presence, not just together like this, individually. He's asked us to come. I love that idea of, you know, he's set the table for us. And he's asking us to come. And it's not out of duty, not out of obligation, but it's because we love him and because he loves us. And so ultimately what I wanna say is this. If you come to the end of this message and you still think to yourself, well, I don't know how to pray, I've got good news for you. Earlier when I was talking about Jesus talking about all the ways not to pray, at the end of that section, he came down and said something that's very familiar to most of us. 
Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Now, once again, this doesn't mean that this is the only prayer you get to pray. But there's a little bit of a model hidden in there. And I, I hate acronyms, but I'm gonna use one. And that is just remember, pray. Remember the word pray. And I'm gonna call this practical prayer. So the first, the P stands for praise. We praise God for his character and attributes. Praise is first in prayer because it focuses our attention on God, takes it off of ourselves and looks at him instead. And I guarantee you just doing that will make your problem look smaller. I don't care how big it is. The R is repent. Admit to God any part of our life that we know is out of line with his will. And commit to turn from that sin, not by your own power, not by your own will, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. Still acknowledging that reliance on him. The A is ask. Ask for the needs of others, which is what intercession, which is what Judy was talking about. And then ask for your own needs, which is petition. So if you hear those two words, that's what it is, trying to demystify some of these things. And then finally, the why is yield. Surrender your plans, your wants, your desires for your life. And then ask God for his plans, his wants, and his desires for your life. And in the end, come back to that prayer of Jesus. Not my will, but your will be done. Everybody go ahead and stand with me. I'm gonna tell you now, this is not a take this home and chew on it message. This is a what are you gonna do with this now message. The road to this place of continual prayer, of continual conversation with God begins now, right now. The only challenge that I give you standing here today is not to finger wag and tell you how you've done all these things wrong, but to simply tell you, you have the same access to the Father that Jesus himself did. Right now, even if you are not a believer yet, that door is open. He wants you to come to him. He wants to talk to you. He wants to have these conversations. And so I'm gonna pray for us. And as I do, if you wanna come forward and start now, it's not that you have this particular need it's not that you have this particular thing you wanna do or you wanna have somebody pray for it, but if you wanna come forward and just kinda of test the waters here in a public place and kneel down at this altar and just begin to talk to God and see what he has to say to you, I'm gonna invite you to do that. If you don't, that's fine. I'm not gonna sit here and draw it out and try to force you to do anything. But he has set the table. The invitation stands always.
will you come? And we have a talk with Jesus. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Jesus, we honor you in this place today. I pray that everybody within the sound of my voice would take up this call to step into continual conversation and relationship with you. That this day would mark a turning point in how they relate to you. In Jesus' name, amen.